Hello there and welcome to Life Clarifications with Natasha Venter and I'm a medium intuitive personal awareness coach which means I'm here to help you and with that that I am so grateful when I can be here to help support anybody and I chose to do this show because sometimes people don't come to me for sessions I like to come to you and that's where I come in and help. So if you have anything you would like to talk about, please put in the comments. And if you're here at that time, and I'll mention that maybe a couple times, but this is Katie Munoz. And I have a hard time with your last name, and I always have. <laughs> that's okay. It's moon like that orb in the sky, and the last syllable is yos. That rhymes with dos. Munoz. Mm -hmm. I think I got it. There my, tongue, go. my tongue always has its trouble. But Katie and I have been together for, well, let's see. We've kind of had our life kind of go in and out, but we had this really big kadoosh of our life coming together. And we did something called uh, Laugh Tech together. And if anybody has done Toastmasters, it's kind of like that with an individual twist. And this is where we spent, what, it was a year, I think? Uh, yeah. yeah. Because we decided to go thing. stage one, stage two, and then I think we we didn't do stage three together, but you no, went on to stage there three. there weren't enough people that wanted to go on to stage three, and I don't think he's even doing stage three anymore. But yeah. stage one and two were really cool. They were, they were. And what we're talking about is, is that with Laugh Tech, these are some wonderful gifted people. And I'm actually going to have, I want to have both of them on my show. I haven't gotten there yet. And, um, and that with them, that they teach Laugh Tech and uh, names pop out of my head as soon as I want to say their names. And it's uh, Brian Trendler uh -huh. and Marcel Allen. Yes. And both of them do one fit. Uh, uh, Brian does um, fix ugly and he does some web work and some, uh, you know, he, he likes to do his uh, designing, you know, he does, mm -hmm. you know, for people's cards and stuff like that. And Marcella, she does something about financials and helping people through. She's not necessarily a marketer, but she kind of is a marketer, but yeah, she's kind of does this and she does a little bit of that. She's, she's pretty magical about who, what she does, but they've come together and done something so that if you want to be a specific life or if you want to do speaking, they bring out the best in you. You know, it's <laughs> like they, they, they make you stand up and they throw fireballs at you or whatever those balls were that they talked about where you know it's like what's that curveballs i don't know if i want to get with the fireball it's not like it sometimes like we would be talking about something like they'd say popcorn so you start talking about popcorn and then they say giraffe and so you'd have to bring giraffe in and then then it, and then they say um peanut butter and then you'd have to have a peanut butter in it and and this is all happening blah 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 and so you had to think quickly and so that's where i think that it really helped me come out of my shell yeah. katie and i did our little doo-doos of dance together of of these magnificent places and katie you know she's about as tall as i you're about as tall as i am but you've got some you've got some imagination <laughs> idea <laughs> that i do oh, yes, so katie me. why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself okay 
Well, I'm a former software engineer, a former very serious analytical person, and I have learned how to do humor as an adult, kind of a self-defense. I was well, real serious, real clumsy, which was just like chronic embarrassment because people were always laughing at whatever I'd just done, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> finally learn how to just make a joke about it. And we all laugh together and it's okay. And once I started doing that, I started to realize the power of humor. And I got really, really into it. This was decades ago. And cross paths with Toastmasters had a roaring good time entered the humor speech contest with a speech called Out of the Closet, where I came out of the closet as a math nerd. And I won and won. I mean, I just won up through the levels of the contest. And I'm going, whoa. <laughs> well, the next year, they had me back to teach a workshop on how to do it. That was at least 25 years ago. I've learned a lot since, and now I am the owner of Serious to Hilarious, and full-time, I coach people on public speaking and how to use humor. Now, humor not in terms of stand-up comedy, but how to use humor in a business setting so you stay appropriate, keep your dignity, but get people to listen to you, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm having a great time doing that. Oh, can I say the web page? Yes, yes. And Let's, I will ask those how people get a hold of you at the end of this. But please, please, please. Okay, do. it's just serious to hilarious, all spelled out, dot com. And of course, I've got a workshop. Actually, I'm always going to be having workshops come up. So just go out there, look under events, and you can see what's coming. That is magical. That is really magical. And I know that you have come a long ways with a lot of different things that yes. you've worked through. And for you, and I want to use the word vulnerable, you know, because we have to get vulnerable with ourselves to get to where you have come from to where you've been. And I've been grateful that I have been a witness of you for just a short time. You know, because we did this little dance of weekly. I mean, it was every, what, Thursday, Tuesdays yeah. and Thursdays, every Tuesdays and Thursdays for almost a year we were together. And then poof, we kind of went off and we flittered our own wings for a while. And then now we're coming back together again. And it's been a blessing to be a witness of you because even then you were still, both of us, were still kind of hesitant even though we knew how to do things, we were still hesitant yeah. to bring out this part of us that you see in front of us now. That there's this, there was a part of us that was not as well-rounded. And I'm, that's one thing that I was grateful for about Laugh Tech. And they're down in, in Seattle area, Bothell area. And 
there are, um, they actually got a new office in Mill Creek, I think they said. That's right, Mill Creek, Washington, for mm -hmm. all of those wider spread out people who are watching you. Yes, and and so with that, that they they are very worth it. They're, that whole time was priceless to me when they said, yeah. Natasha, stop for a minute. <laughs> We're going to give you a hint right now, and we want you to redo that. And I went, thank you. Ouch. Okay. <laughs> you know, one of the things I wanted to mention is that I'm not sure we ever really arrive. I mean, I feel way better rounded now than I was, which is, oh, my God, so much better than when I was a teenager. But I'm not done yet. And I think that every opportunity, you know, even if it's not all that pleasant, it's, I figure you get into something you're not very happy with and better look around and figure, what can I learn here? Because I sure as heck don't want to do this one over again. <laughs> exactly. I always use the theme, what is this here to teach me? Yeah, and yeah. and that that's my mantra. What is this here to teach me? Whenever I have something, even if I'm having a small argument with somebody, what is this here to teach me? Because it's it's about growing bigger than what the situation is. Yeah, and it's not growing bigger because a lot of us put on weight when we're trying to defend ourselves. Mm. But it's that growing bigger of of this is bigger. This small thing is there's something behind it that's bigger that can add up, and and that's one thing that. I listening to your life story and I know for me when I was doing laugh tech, there's many times we went to dinner afterwards mm -hmm. and this was a nine o'clock dinner, you know, so it was a little <laughs> bit, you know, it, sometimes you had your little um, cheese quesadillas and I had, I had something else cause I hadn't eaten dinner cause I was rushing from here to there. Yeah. Uh, and here comes your father and here comes your mother through as a mediumship. And there was some healing that went on there. And, you know, I, and I got your permission before we went on here to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just went through this other scenario when we talked about we got together and talked about coming on your show, the show that, you know, you had a scenario that you were working through and I, yeah. you allowed me to do my work with you and I was grateful for that. Would you like me to talk about that a little bit? If you would like to, I think then sure. it, it would give some explanation to some scenarios that are, I mean, I can tell through the show that there's a little bit of a struggle and I mm -hmm. want to honor that moment for you because this is part of who I am is, is that I lay people, I lay myself out you know, it's like if I'm having a dyslexic moment, yeah, I'm claiming it. You know, if I'm having a, a flubble moment, I don't call them mistakes anymore. They're flubbles. You know, just, <laughs> that's cute. Isn't it? How can you be yeah, angry like with a flubble? <laughs> well, the thing that's going on with me in the last, I should say, not a couple of days, a couple of years, maybe is I closed a business that I was running for 15 years, hoping seniors relocate, downsize, and declutter, which was really, really fun. But that one came to an end, and it was just really clear that it was, it was finished. Mm -hmm. And so I closed it. I went to the thing that I've always wanted to do, which is a serious to hilarious coaching people in public speaking and humor. 
And it was really interesting because the closer that I got to really making it real, like, oh, we're getting a web page. Oh, we've had a business license. The less my voice was cooperating. And there, you can hear a little bit of raspiness in it today, but there were times when I couldn't talk. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to teach a workshop. And actually, I've taught several workshops where I came really close to losing my voice halfway through. What the heck are you going to do then? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry, guys, you can go home. We'll see you next week. Um, you know, when I'm eating cough drops like crazy, I made it through those things, but it was so clear to me that it was an emotional issue mm -hmm. or somehow associated with spirituality. I, I don't know how to separate all that out. It doesn't even matter to me. And a lot of times it doesn't. It's all one big bag. One yeah. big box. It's us. It's called us. Me. But it, you know, it kind of went back to as a kid, um, it being told to be quiet, get out of the way. Nobody really wants to hear all that detail about you. And, you know, kind of shut up, sit down, and take a seat in the back, please. Mm -hmm. And what I could see was this part of myself was coming out to protect me from getting in trouble. It was like, here, we're going to make it so you can't talk, so you don't get in trouble with everybody who's listening because you're probably going to talk too much, so let's just shut it down and you'll be safe. Well, we don't need to shut it down now. I'm not in danger from my parents or teachers or any of those people. Hopefully, if you're bothering to listen to me, you're doing it voluntarily. And if you don't like it, you can just hit a button and go do something else. Mm -hmm. So there's not really a reason to close it down, but there's still that part. And I've done a lot of things to deal with that. I uh, hired a regular counselor for a while. It helps some. Uh, she couldn't really deal with the depth of emotion, the emotional baggage. I would get too upset crying or something, and then she would freak out and try to, you know, like, oh, no, let's not go there. And I'm okay going there. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't really working. Then I tried to have no therapist, and that worked great for a couple of days. So a few days before a workshop, I'd see her, I'd get everything moving again. Yeah, okay. And then she took a full-time job. Now she's not doing that. <laughs> and I um, thought I would talk to Natasha because Natasha sees things really differently than the rest <laughs> of us. <laughs> and I knew it would be, I mean, obviously, I've tried the, the, the choices that are available. So I thought I'd go talk to Natasha and see what she can see from her very different vantage point. 
And she said, well, yeah, there's been a lot of issues this life about closing down, not making a fuss, not making a noise, and not telling the truth. We can talk about what that means later. Um, but there have been a lot of those issues in other lives. Now, I am quite comfortable with the thought that I've had other lives and occasionally I get glimmers of memory, mostly about mathematics, which is odd. I remember how to do certain things. And, you know, taking some of the classes in college, it was like, oh gosh, this is so familiar. It was great. But I don't usually see other things like emotional situations, who I was, where I was, any of that kind of thing. And Natasha was telling me about many times when I really couldn't speak my truth. She mentioned one that I thought exemplified so many of the things we mentioned, which was being a nun, feeling strongly that God is love and the message that Jesus brought was love one another as I have loved you. Forget about the judgment that's not for us to do. It's about loving and accepting and supporting each other. And yet being a nun in any conservative situation where that wasn't really their mission at all. So I couldn't talk about it or I might have been in pretty grave danger. Because yeah, I, if I remember, I'm going to interrupt you here. If I remember right, it was during those times when Christianity was just either breaking through or it was on the downfall. So it was one of those times where you being a nun was very very vulnerable moment. It, it was not something that anybody wanted to do because your head was getting chopped off most of the time. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's been a lot of those moments, depending on whether you're looking at uh, Catholicism or various sects. Or, mm -hmm. You know, religion does that. Sometimes people get carried away with the rules rather than the, the love and the forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And Whatever time it was, I can certainly relate to that. And so Natasha suggested that I gather those lives together and that I talk to them and tell them that they did a good job protecting me then, that it wasn't a matter of not being brave. That was really their choice a good choice because if you're incarnated in a particular time, it's highly likely you're meant to be there and interact, <laughs> even if you can't do it fully the way you want to. Exactly. So I, I've been meditating and trying to make peace and acknowledge those beings. And one of the things I ran into that I found was really interesting is they were kind of willing to let go of all that, except it's like we suffered so much. And it's like, oh, you need somebody to truly acknowledge how awful it was. It's being their witness. It's, it's yeah. honoring them. I honor you for what you went through. I witnessed, I, I, I love you. Thank you so much yeah. for that honor of living those moments. 
and and it becomes otherwise. It's like, oh yeah, well, I love you, I honor you, and now we go. See ya. And and it's not. It's it's like really being there. And so I feel it letting go more. Congratulations. Um, it's a process. It I is. would love to say it's done. And I am seeing a speech therapist now, and that helped really well for three weeks. And then all of a sudden, kabam, last week I could hardly talk when I got on the Zoom call with her. So it's like, yeah, but, you know, there doesn't seem to be one path that's going to do it. No, it's and that's like what... all these different things. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm kind of willing to do anything, you know? Well, and that's where for me, like I have package sessions where somebody can buy either four sessions or six sessions or whatever, because I find that for me, that it isn't about, like you say, one path. It's not about one layer of the onion. It's not about, you know, one time fix it all. Yes, there's one time break through the wall. But then there's when you get past the wall, then then there's these other things that pop up. And and as they pop up, it's nice to have someone support you through the moment. And that's where I love the moment where I can help someone continuously because I am willing go, to go through the tears. I'm willing to go through the drama, trauma, the shame, the, well, why in the, because in private, we can swear all we want, you know, <laughs> why in the, you know, did this ha happen to me? And that's you know, where that's, I hold. That's really true the because you, you dealt with like 10 times more emotional garbage than <laughs> my poor counselor that I must have frightened. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've dealt with my own, so it's like. <laughs> I, <laughs> I guess I have the faith that you'll never get stuck there. You can walk through it no matter how bad it gets. And as long as you're doing your best and being sincere, the powers that be will pull you through. through it. And it's not so much about pulling myself through as it is being willing to be pulled through. Because there are times I got no clue where I'm going, what I'm doing, but it's still the, the, the essence of the universe, whatever you call it, is pulling me. Mm -hmm. And all I got to do is walk. And eventually I end up someplace better. <laughs> it's the same it thing. takes a while. <sighs> in, in my mind, that's like if you're walking through a canyon and the canyon walls get closer and closer, mm -hmm. and then you're almost walking through there sideways. <laughs> But if you keep going, you'll go through them. Yeah, and it pops open. Mm -hmm. It's, I trust that. Now I've been through it so many times. Like, it's like, okay, <laughs> it's a real narrow passage this time. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I, I can honor you for. And in the, like I said, the short time we've known each other, witness you. And those are the two, those are those words I choose to use very, um, you know, 
there's no words that I can put with, with honor, more honor behind them that I witness you and I honor you for what you've gone through because you have gone through quite a bit of yeah. life, you know, just witnessing you through your parents. That they, they did not explain a little bit about they that. Didn't treat you well, but they didn't know better to do better, you know. Exactly, they were both pretty badly abused as kids, and yeah, you know, um, my brothers and I, by today's definitions, you could say we were abused kids. It was way better than what they dealt with. We had enough food. We had a roof over our head. We were not living in poverty. We had clothes to wear. Um, my father was a high-functioning alcoholic. He had a responsible job, and he always made it to work. And he cared very much about doing a good job and, you know, doing it with integrity. My mother was... Gosh, in a lot of ways, I think she had the emotional age of a three or a four-year-old. Mm -hmm. She was threatened by me even when I was really, really young. And it took me until, gosh, I was in my 40s, I think, before I finally figured out one of her patterns is she would ask me a, a question that sounded really neutral to me. <laughs> but it was super loaded. It was, I remember one of them was like, well, you don't really like copper very much, do you? And, you know, I thought she was understanding that we're different people and she likes opera and I like more pop music and musical numbers. And so I said, no, I really don't care for it. What she heard was that you know, I I thought, oh, God, you're totally stupid. Opera is the worst. I can't believe you like that junk. And I don't respect you and this and that. The other thing, which I hadn't even thought. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the strange thing growing up, I, you know, looking back, I realized she was often defending herself from what she thought I was thinking of her. You think I'm a stupid old bag. You think I don't know what's going mm -hmm. on. You think I don't know that you hate me, that you think this and that you think that. I'm going, adding to the craziness of the whole thing, she talked really, really fast. And I don't decode words that fast. If you talk to me too fast, You'll just overflow the brain, and I'll get a phrase here, a phrase there, and a phrase mm -hmm. in that place. But I mean, there were times I had no idea what she was even talking about. Um, I didn't know how to respond to it. And I frequently said exactly the wrong thing because <laughs> as I many of us do. <laughs> yeah, because we, we don't know what's in somebody else's brain and where they're coming from. And it's like, I didn't even mean that. <laughs> yeah, and and evidently she thought that I was smarter than her. And I looked down on her when, in fact, I thought she had eyes on the back of her head. And I wouldn't dare disobey the rules because I knew she would know. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we were so far apart. And it didn't make sense at all except 
the way she was brought up. Mm -hmm. And then it made good sense. My father had just an unbelievable rage bottled up in there because he had been so badly treated by his family and by the Seventh-day Adventist church that he had grown up in. And they told him things like, "Only if only you have enough faith here, you know, your problems will go away. Yeah. <laughs> it's called life. His, you know, his father's beating on his mother and he's praying for all he's worth that they'll get along or else mm -hmm. get a divorce, one of the two. Mm -hmm. And neither one is happening. And so then it was like, God, you're not praying hard enough. What's, you know, what's, what's wrong with me? And also living in dire poverty, he had malnutrition. His his bones were deforming a little bit. He had rickets, and he was ashamed of that. And his father had plenty of money that he could have bought food for the family, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. He bought food for himself, ate in front of his wife and three children, and didn't share. Talk and about abuse. <laughs> He, he had a, <laughs> he also died of malnutrition with lots of money in the bank. The guy is clearly was uh, mentally ill or extremely emotionally disturbed. Mm -hmm. But I can't fix him. I can't fix my father. My father was doing the best he could do, but this rage would just consume him. And he drank to numb it out because mm -hmm. he was in pain. And I, I guess I have more forgiveness for my father because, well, A, he didn't attack me directly. Uh, he yelled an awful lot at me, but that was about the blankety-blank church and the blankety-blank pope and the blank-blank Democrats or the blank-blank Republicans or just, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Somebody else. Mm -hmm. Whereas my mother was angry at me directly. And the worst thing was, you know, my father yelled at me. I would burst into tears immediately. It's terrifying when you're nine yeah. years old, having a full-size adult male bellowing swear words at you and asking you, so what are you going to do about this problem of the world? I don't even know what those words mean. <laughs> I don't know how to fix it. You know, uh, yeah, they, then, were, they were dealing with big, big issues and throwing them at young children. And that's right. a lot of the way that that a lot of us grow up is, is mm -hmm. that we get big issues thrown at us as young children. And then we become adults and we don't know what to do with those big issues because there's part of us that's still the young child dealing with those big issues that we didn't know what to do with. So it's this this circle going around and around and around yeah. and and that's where you can't uncover those at one time you know you can't oh uncover that there, there's no. there's a story that that we have to to navigate through it and i that's why it's like you know i i love the group sessions because it's like or the you know where we can kind of go from one yeah. thing to another because it is 
But, you know, Katie, thank you for sharing this. Cause, and that's one thing that, um, that Sue, one of my friends, and she's a client of mine too, she's grown into a really good friend, um, that uh, she says, thank you for sharing your story. Because uh, it is about reaching out. And I know that, you know, we've all had these stories where, like for me, I was safe in my home. Mm. I was not safe outside my home. So mm. where, where you were not safe in your home, which I would say that's 80% of the people. 80% of the kids grow up not safe in their home. And so then they're safer true. outside their home. And I was opposite. I was in that probably, I'm just throwing out numbers, probably 20%, you know, that, you know, mm-hmm. it's those stories of how do we manage where we're going and what we're doing. And, you know, can I ask you now going through that, what are some mm-hmm. of the tools that you found you got out of that? Because there's always something that, that we, as we, we go through life, we manage and, and I can tell you age kind of helps this process a little bit more, you know, because we, we go through different stages, you know, 20 year old, you know, the teen years, you're, you're just getting to know yourself, 20 year olds, you're kind of getting yourself, Oh, wait a minute. I'm adult. Now I got to be responsible. You know, in your thirties, you're kind of like going, well, I'm here. Do I have a family? Do I not? What am I supposed to do? Right. Your forties, you're saying, Hmm, this is more who I am, isn't it? <laughs> and then fifties, you're kind of going, Yeah, I don't care anymore. (laughs) One of the things that I had to do was, um, you know, one of the huge themes in the family was there's no such thing as God. And anybody who believes in God is a goddamn fool, which if you think about it, is completely illogical. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard for a God that doesn't exist to damn anything, right? (laughs) (laughs) But... I also grew up in the Bible Belt, so I heard a lot about Christianity, and I wasn't safe outside of the home either because occasionally I would repeat things my father had said, not realizing how offensive the language is, was I had learned to just shut up. There again, the voice. don't ever talk about religion or beliefs or politics or anything like that ever. And uh, but the burning thing in my heart was to understand if there was anything such as love because my father when he got really carried away one time went right on into saying well, there's no such thing as love. And if you think anybody loves you, you're a goddamn fool. Mm-hmm. And the worst part of that was that he said it in front of my mother. Mm-hmm. And there she is, dutiful wife, cooking for him day after day, cleaning the house, raising his three kids, never complaining. And I thought, if your partner can betray you like that, then there's no hope. Mm-hmm. And I, the bottom line religion that I had finally come to, secret, 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 never talked to anybody about, but was that God is love. That if nobody agrees about anything else, at least those people who are religious tend to agree on that. And I could feel it. Mm-hmm. And I, it's like, this is something I can bank on. This is, 
this is where I stand. And everything else is a belief system, right? Mm -hmm. Past lives or angels or space aliens that are benevolently <laughs> guiding humans. I don't care. Sure. All of that could be metaphorical. It could be real. But God is love. That is fundamental. But I started in my 20s. I moved out of my parents' house. I'd somehow ended up in Eugene, Oregon from Virginia Bible Belt. And Eugene is like, you know, total hippie. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. And I just got into everything. I thought, you know, I'm free to look at anything I want now. And I got into meditation, which was fabulous, and astrology and tarot cards and heaven knows what else. And then I started to get this very clear message that I needed to go south. South where? I don't know. The south end of town is this kind of ugly industrial area. <laughs> but it just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And I finally, it became clear to me that I needed to actually hitchhike south to give up my apartment I, or a room and house and go south. There was something I needed to find down there. And I thought maybe I was going to Peru. I had no idea that I needed a passport to get to Peru. I mean, <laughs> it was pretty much. Talk about blind faith. <laughs> Whatever, and to make matters crazier, I had also one of the things I'd picked up in Eugene is, oh, stop wearing your glasses and do these eye exercises and your vision will come back. Well, that meant I wasn't always wearing my glasses, which meant I left them on a bus one time, never got them back. My vision's about 2,500. I know. I was going to say that if I remember right, you don't see very well without your glasses. I can't see much of anything. You could be 10 feet away from me, and I couldn't tell what your facial expression was. Mm -hmm. I know from the colors of your hair and clothes maybe who you are, but maybe. Yeah. So so anyway, I, I told a co-worker that I was think, thinking of hitchhiking south, and he said, oh, well, let me give you this tent, the sleeping bag, because I don't need them anymore. And they're just taking up room. He was living in this little uh, panel van. You know how people used to make vans into houses. And then it was kind of like, oh, my God, I guess I really need to because that was what I kept saying is I'll go south as soon as I have the supplies, but I don't have any money to buy a sleeping bag and I've never been camping and I don't know what anything about that. <laughs> I like, found oh. about you. You did these things, it's like you had no research in how to do that, but you just you just did it. <laughs> yeah. And but you know, God I didn't even totally believe in God at the time. I mean, there was one part of me that totally did, and there was the other part that said, you're an absolute idiot. And it, it took decades after that to get those two to stop warring. Now it's like, look, you don't ever see any other one. You're never going to convert the other one to your point of view, so just leave them alone, okay? It's, Everybody I, I, gets a say, and we'll deal with it. 
I, but that, that's what I consider your soul knowing. Your soul mm. knowing is that love, love, the greater power loves. That's your soul knowing. Yeah. Your body knowing, your mind knowing is what was telling you. And those two were the confliction. It's the, it's the, I want to call it the 3D-ish world compared to the, the mm -hmm. spiritual world. Well, I've even heard neuroscientists um, divide the brain into components and mm -hmm. say that we actually have several, maybe maybe three or more different categories of brain up there, and they have to yeah. somehow come to an agreement before you can do anything. I mean, even someone just scratch your darn nose. <laughs> but uh, really, they're, they're different entities. Mm -hmm. In any case... Yeah, about two days later, I hitchhiked south. And so I'm blind on the road, hitchhiking. It was fascinating because I wouldn't have said I was psychic before that, but it got very quickly to the point where I could see a car in the distance, which is only a colored moving blob, right? But I knew even from a far distance, if that was a car I wanted to get into, if that was a car that was even going to pull over. And by the time that I was able to see who was in their car, it would have been too late for me to mm -hmm. say anyway, I'd have to be four or five feet away. So I hitchhiked south and I ended up in this amazing odyssey. I was stopping at every spiritual community that I ran into what are you guys into? Well, how's it working for you? Oh, you know, okay. And I went to conservative Christian communes. I hung out with Buddhists. I danced with the Hare Krishnas in a temple. I went to Satcha Sai Baba's. Um, they had a kind of a meeting room, reading room in San Francisco. I saw Muktananda in person in Oakland. That was amazing. I bet. I could feel him walk in the door. It was just like, you know, he, he walked, there were a hundred or more people sitting all over the carpeted floor in various states of meditation. And I was sitting there trying to look cool like everybody else. I'm meditating too. You know, and I felt that guy walk in the door, just this wave of power. And he came up to the front of the room and he was just kind of throwing waves of energy over people. I don't think he, I'm not sure that he even spoke English because I don't remember him saying anything, but it was profound. And I thought, wow, I found it. I found what I'm looking for, but it wasn't quite right. I was like, you know, the next day I was really ecstatic and really bummed because I, I knew that I was looking for something that was extremely powerful, that was all-encompassing, that I would sink into. Mm -hmm become part of it, simply absorb. And I knew that the, the truth was there, but that wasn't the place I needed to be. Yeah, it had the signature of the truth, but it wasn't the truth you needed to be. So it was like, it okay, here it is. 
this is the carrot we're going to dangle in front of you now. It exists. Now, now keep walking forward. And uh, and it, it's amazing when we get those those feelings like this is, and, we, and many of us get these in our boyfriends or our jobs where we get oh. these feelings where they're like, this is it. So close, so, so close. close, so close. Maybe I could fix this part of it. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes we we should stay there just a few minutes. Now, mm -hmm. sometimes that's a month. Sometimes that's that's a week. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's it's just one date, or it's you know it's one paycheck. But it's nice to kind of sometimes sit there to go, okay, what about this mm -hmm. isn't my truth? So then you can call that part in. And Veronica is another, she's, she's a gift too. The, um, everybody's a gift. What am I saying? But <laughs> I've had personal interact. So um, she's very fascinating. Um, yeah, it, it is amazing when we're, when we're coming through and it's 444 right now, that, that as we're coming through and, and moving forward in life, how we do get these moments where the universe says, ah, yet. Not but, but yet. Yeah. This isn't quite yet what we were you, we want you. But we, you're getting closer to your path. Oh, gosh. I was, I was learning a ton. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just an amazing experience. It was another three or four months before I ran into a group in Santa Cruz, California, who did everything they could to stay under the radar. So it's highly unlikely that anybody's ever heard of them. I think they might have, there might have been 80 or 100 of them total at, at one point. But I, the way that I ran into them is I stopped at a health food store. I hopped off the bus to, you know, get some stuff on my way home. And I, I had gone to the point at this point where it's like, I'm just like, I've got to find this. I've got to find this. And I come around the corner and there's this little woman, <laughs> maybe five feet tall, maybe 20 years old, cross-eyed, barefoot. And her aura is sticking out like 20 feet in every direction. <laughs> and I've never seen an aura in my life. And yeah. I still don't see them on a regular basis, but she was You're in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at like the traffic going by and going, why aren't these cars running into each other? Why isn't everybody just like, you know, <laughs> staring at this woman? And I'm trying to head towards the the door of the um, co-op, but my eyes are like over there. <laughs> and she walks up to me and she said, hi, some friends of mine are getting together for love to share love and light tonight. Do you want to come? And I said, oh my God, I'll be there. <laughs> and I thought about throwing myself on the ground at her feet, you know, like mm -hmm. it's what I really wanted to do. And then I thought, well, what if I'm imagining this or and she thinks I'm really weird? <laughs> I went in, I got my sunflower seeds, went home and, and, uh, got to that group that night and the fascinating thing 
I, it was hard to get there. The buses didn't have the same schedules at night, and I didn't realize that. Of course, I didn't have a car. So I got partway there, and she'd give me a phone number, and I called, and I said, I'm trying to get there, you know, and it's 7 o'clock, and I know you're starting, but I'm stuck over here. And it wasn't Margarita, the one that I had met, that I was talking to, somebody else, and they said, give us your address, we'll come get you. And they were so anxious to come get me. All of a sudden, I did a total flip-flop. Oh, my God, these are probably the Moonies. They're trying <laughs> to recruit me to this cult. Oh, my God. You know, but I still had the feeling to go forward. So I did. And they come out with, like, four or five people in this car. And I'm jammed in the back seat. And, of course, you know, what does this mean? This means... I. I can't open either door if I want to escape. And now I'm praying furiously to... To stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you give me any sign, I'll just bolt out here. It doesn't matter how stupid I look, you know. And I'm still getting to go forward, go forward. We get to this little suburban ranch home, and there's about 40 pairs of shoes on the front porch. <laughs> And so I take off my shoes, trying to, you know, I know the Honor style the here. Of yeah. course, I take off my shoes every time I go to the house. And they open the door, and I look in there, and it's blinding. It's like all the, the aura that I had seen mm. around Margarita was around all of them. And without thinking, I said, oh, my God, it's so bright in here. And, and you have to understand, I was a really quiet person. I never would have said such a thing in front of a group of strangers <laughs> if I hadn't been completely overwhelmed. And they all looked up at me and they kind of chuckled because they knew what I was looking at and said, come on in, come on, take a seat. So I sat on the carpet with everybody else, and Margarita was sitting at the front and sharing about God knows what. My brain is just, you know. And there was a picture of Jesus on the wall, and I just thought, give me any sign, any sign, I'll leave. And then she said something about we tell each other the truth. We, we really tell each other the truth, and I thought, then talk to her afterwards. Ask her. Tell her you're afraid. Tell her you think it's a cult. Tell her that you think she's in danger. I knew from the core of my being that I could trust Margarita. Mm -hmm. And so I took her aside afterwards and I told her, I, I'm afraid of this group. And I've actually heard of this. There was a leader. I'm not going to say his name because... I have no idea. I mean, they haven't existed for decades, but yeah, but it, it, it's not, and it's not part of the story, you know. It, right, but I said I've heard about this guy, and it wasn't all that great. They said, you know, he was ninety percent spot on and ten percent kind of, you know, out in the field. And she looked at me and she said, "No, I know him. I know him deeply, and you can trust him." And that was it. My brain got quiet. And she took me out to the backyard and said, the space aliens landed here a few days ago. <laughs> 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 
they've left a spot of power. Well, they're on this little patch of concrete, you know, where the driveway kind of comes through the fence or so, but they're, there's like a circle about eight feet in diameter that looks like something hot metal has settled down and burned it. And right in the middle is this other charred spot. And she said, why don't you sit on, on the spot, right? The little place in the middle. And I was like, sure, whatever you're into, I'm into. <laughs> I sat there and it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then she said, okay, that's good. I think that's enough. <laughs> well, that, that was my group. And within a, a short period of weeks, I had given away everything I owned. And I joined them. Mm -hmm. And their thing was, you ask God for guidance. And you do what you're told to do. And you have faith that you'll have enough food, that you'll have the place you need to sleep, that if you're told to do something, you'll have the tools to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I lived for the next seven months. And it was... You know, I would go through a period of days of feeling just like, wow. And then there were a couple of days where I'd, my head hurt and everything was like, whoa. But I still, I, I kind of understood the process of purification by then. And boy, did I purify over the next seven months. There were times when they wouldn't even let me talk because I had a tendency to use so many swear words growing up the way I had. And I could be extremely negative about the way that I talked. I mean, it was just. It's what you knew. It, yeah, that's what I knew. And so there were times when. You know, they were all about positive thought, positive speech, positive company, doing good service. And the fifth point was love everybody, including yourself. Mm -hmm. So there's, again, another point with your voice that even when you were able to speak, they asked you not to because the way you knew how to speak wasn't good enough there either. So, yeah. And so it's. But that, that whole experience was amazing. And, you know, you could call them a cult, except seven months later, they got in the daily guidance was that a whole lot of us were ready to go out and hitchhike around on the road ourselves and go have good lives. And they very gently and compassionately sent me off. It was like... <laughs> And what cult does that? Yes. You know, so, um, you know, I, can't, I was back and forth a few more times, but there was a point at which. It wasn't home anymore. Yeah, it wasn't home. I was on my own and I had to integrate back into normal society somehow <laughs> and figure out how to get a job and rent a room in a house and it's it's been a long long process but 
in the meantime, I've learned how to meet people, how to talk. I didn't even know how to strike up a conversation with anybody. Mm -hmm. I didn't really even know how to make a friend. I just didn't understand how anything worked. Mm -hmm. And boy, you've gone, you've gone through some, <sighs> some stuff to really awaken yourself. And, you know, there's, you know, this is just one story that I, I, yeah. I haven't even known this story, but there's been other stories that are just as, you know, you spending time as a homeless person, you, what you weighed almost 200 pounds, you said? Oh, no, 240 at least. 240. And now you're, you're, you're. <laughs> I'm not as thin as I've been. I'm probably at 140 right now. I think it's a good weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, so that, that that you've gone through these times where you just basically stripped down. But that's the one thing that I keep. I, I, I hope that I can share with people through this whole process that I talk about on life clarifications, that 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 if you can go to that point of vulnerability, mm -hmm. that moment that you're on that thin line of vulnerability and grief gets you there, you know, that that you go there, it turns out that you become so much stronger. It, it's like, yeah. it's almost like flipping a switch. It, you go, if you go through that edge of just saying, holy crumbadum, you know, maybe some other words, but you go there and you, you know, okay, uh, I don't have glasses on and I can't <laughs> see anything, but then your other senses take over and you trust that. You yeah. trust that it's that moment of vulnerability. What an amazing experience to actually learn that that worked. How would I learn otherwise? Otherwise, I would have said, oh, you just used a clue. And the fact that I couldn't see them and I had no other sense to use, it's like, oh, you can count on this. How about that? Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to add one thing that, that goes with what you're saying, Natasha, and that's every one of us walks our own path. And because I found my path in Santa Cruz with this group doesn't mean anybody else has to find a group or has to go to Santa Cruz. If one of the things I learned from those people, and I believe fervently, is that if you ask for the truth, and you sincerely mean it, mean it, God will come to you wherever you are, whatever you're doing. So. It's, mm -hmm. you need, just ask, be mm -hmm. sincere. Yes, that your guides, your angels, your higher power, your loving guidance will meet you wherever you are. I know that my team, you know, like the day that I sat on my bed and told my team, you know, I can't split up my family. You know, I have to do, there's something I have to do. You got to fix my marriage. You got to fix my life because I can't go on anymore. And you know, I can't break up my family because you know, I am not me. You know me, you know, yeah. I can't do that. And me getting there and getting vulnerable. That is the first time I'm always hearing. And, and it, you know, my voice, that is the first time everything went quiet. Complete silence. Oh, yeah. Because the fact that I said, I need 
hope. And that quiet, going to that point of vulnerability, saying, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I, I'm, I'm done. I'm done, you know, and you know, those moments, well, I can tell you almost three weeks to the day, my husband got pulled over with a DWI and drinking and driving, finding out that he wasn't just buzzed half the time when I thought he was buzzed. He was actually full blown drunk because mm-hmm. he blew about the same. And he um, ended up getting counseling for the first time in his life. And now he's been sober to this day. Now wow. that's not everybody's path with alcoholism, it, but it was his path with alcoholism. Right. And I right. got the joys. Well, you know, there's still a roller coaster of relationship, but at yeah. the same time though, the, that, that moment of, and I've done that a couple other times with my life. I've actually gotten stripped down naked <laughs> and bowed in front of yeah. my team and said, I, I, I can't go any further where I'm at. I don't know where to go from here. And I can tell you every single time that when I have said that and I've become aware of the way the universe leads me, you know, my friend calls up, do you want to come to California? My team, you know, it's like, there's these things that happen, mm-hmm. you know, that just pop up and, and I can tell you listening to several more of your stories that are just as <laughs> <laughs> tremendous, um, that, uh, that, you know, you've done the same thing. You've just said, here I am, all of me, where do I go from here? And if anybody can get anything out of this conversation, that it is about that, that's the vulnerability and then going into trust after that vulnerability. And it doesn't mean we have to be stupid about it. It's not that we make stupid choices about it. You know, you didn't get into cars that, uh, you know, came to you, you went with that yeah. feeling, you yeah. know, you know, even though when it didn't feel right to go with these people, but love showed you the way. It did. It it was clear. It takes, God, it takes so much courage to do that. But growing up the way that I did, I had so little to lose. And I think that's what's made it possible for me to do some pretty extreme things. I knew I couldn't continue the life I would have had had I continued in the path I was with with my parents Mm-hmm. And it had to be drastic. And if you're going to go drastic, you might as well go drastic, right? I mean, exactly. why go halfway? And my thought at that time was I wanted to find out about God. I wanted to find out about religion. And I thought, well, fanatics are, I mean, if you want to take it to the nth degree and see how it works, that's where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was really, really important. And I think I had to go out and and live on the road the way that I did with no money and no particular understanding of where I was going or what I was doing to to get used to asking God for guidance and trusting that there was a God. I mean, if it had worked for a week, you could say it was a coincidence, but it didn't just work for a week. That was day in, day out, all day, every day. 
And that's when I gained so much weight because I was quite concerned about having enough to eat because I had no money. Mm-hmm. And everybody that picked me up wanted to take me to a restaurant. <laughs> And I wasn't looking in mirrors, so I had no idea I'd gained so much weight. I couldn't figure out why my clothes had shrunk, but, you know, I'm washing them in a laundromat. So, you know, it's really hot in the dryers. And only I had, well, I had two sets. I had the pair I'd put on when I went to the laundromat. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I finally uh, happened to be in a Kmart, stood on a scale, and went, oh, and, uh, a few months later, somebody, I was, um, we were kind of starting to get off the road. Um, we were going to buy some clothes that didn't look like, um, well, ragged bum clothes. <laughs> and I found out I wore a size 24. Wow. I'm five foot four. And the way that I know I weighed 240 pounds is a friend of mine who's the same height, who was really heavy and lost a ton of weight. I asked her what size she, or when she was a size 24, what she weighed. And she said, you probably weighed 240. So I wouldn't stand on a scale at that point. So I don't have any... uh, evidence and I don't have any pictures from that time either so if you want to see the stretch marks <laughs> show you those. that's the only proof I've got that I was there but there we go mm-hmm. well Katie I just I wanted to say thank you you are such a gift and I hope that you can come back on again because I know that the there's there's these scenarios that you can really you're very you're a gift you're just a gift for, for people you. to be a witness of and your personal stories. And I want to add sometimes struggles. Yeah. Uh, that I, I'm, I'm grateful that you're, you can share them with us because not everybody has an understanding that struggle can awaken us. Struggle can be our greatest moment of expansion Struggle can be the the greatest moment that we become ourselves. Yeah, it's the opportunity. It's opportunity. I I count myself luckier than my younger brothers who didn't have as much conflict as my parents who stayed in that atmosphere. And my, my impression is that they're not as happy with their lives at this point as I am. I don't want mm-hmm. to say anything else about that, but I feel extremely fortunate to have gotten forced in the position where I really didn't have anything to lose. So I went. You went. And that's that's the, I think, in a way, if we really witness ourselves, that things strip us down so that we're willing to go. Mm-hmm. And when we go towards love, we're not going to be steered wrong. Even if we go, if we go the wobbly path, as long as it's covered with love, it's never going to be wrong. And, you know, it is called the journey. I know a lot of us struggle between destination and journey. And I'm a journey person 
you know, my story is about the journey of life. And I, I'm married to a man who it's, it's about the destination. <laughs> and, and so oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it is, especially when we're talking about retirement, we'll do that with retirement. I'm like going, honey, we got bodies now that will do it. Let's enjoy <laughs> our path as we go. <laughs> no, we'll wait till retirement. No. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that happens. Cause I'm married to a, I love my husband. He has got his degree in physics and he doesn't really believe in energy. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's that's an oxymoron. That's a, that's a, that's a, that doesn't add up. Well, you know, but he believes in the kind it, of energy that you can measure with meters and if you can't yes. measure with a meter, it's not there. Mhm. Mm and somehow we have negotiated a way to live together and love and honor and respect each other and still let each person have their beliefs. And my feeling is it's only a model of reality. I don't ever want to claim to know this is the way it works. Exactly. I don't know. Whatever's working right now. Um, That'll work for me. And I love science too, you know, all that stuff you can measure and, you know, atomic bonds and chemical reactions. Sure, it's great. It's fascinating. But there's energy too. And I can't deny it. I lived on it for enough years that I have empirical scientific evidence enough for myself to know it's true. And even if I can't measure it or explain it, that's the way it is for me. That's the way it is. I know my husband lovingly said he 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 doesn't understand me a lot of times. I, I'm kind of that that <laughs> yeah. same kind of and he says, Why do you believe in all this intuitive stuff that you listen to every day? Why do you have to make decisions just listening to your guides? And I'm like, going, <laughs> it works. <laughs> It works. What can it, you say after that? It works. It you works. Know? It works. So, it, it, and it, it, it gives me the, the synchronicity. It get, it aligns me into synchronicity in the life. And, and okay, then I guess I just don't need to hear it as often. <laughs> just like your back hurts. You want me to give you a back massage? No. Okay. You struggle then. <laughs> I love you. I love you, honey. I love you. I love you. I, love I you. know. I offered to clean my husband's aura a couple of times, and he's like, no, no. It's like, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's but a whole we, new story. We, yeah. We, sometimes we, um, we married those opposites because if we married someone like us, it, we wouldn't stay grounded. We wouldn't stay knowing. We wouldn't stay we wouldn't be able to have balance. You know, there's well, something there's, that, that's, you know. that's very grounding about my husband that I, I love and I cherish that he's so like in this world mm -hmm. and I am so much not. <laughs> and I feel like in a way it continues the conflict is too strong a word, but obviously there's a, one of the themes in my life is trying to balance my strong belief in science with my strong belief in energy. Mm -hmm. And uh, the two are 
somewhat incompatible at the moment. And they <laughs> both have to exist because they both work. Yes. So, there you go. And I, I kind of personify the one, he personifies the other. But we, I don't know, maybe that's like a metaphor for the whole earth. We need to somehow acknowledge both. Mm-hmm. Even well, though can... they don't, one doesn't make sense in the context of the other. No, it doesn't. But I can tell you if you. Quantum it... physics. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sue. Uh, that I, if you tap into that lifetime that you were sitting there playing with crystals literally to create <laughs> the mat the the in a way it was the you were there when the earth was being charged you're one of the scientists when the earth was being charged so i i remember the earth being made okay mm-hmm. it, it, it's actually made out of a lot of different materials it's not just soil and and crust and, and <laughs> that's true <laughs> It well, is. I know what science says, and I get a feeling it's inconsistent with what you believe, but it doesn't make any difference because... It doesn't. It's, it's my personal belief. But I know <laughs> by living living so many past lives that I've been, you know, but yeah. being there when you were one of the mathematicians that was there when the earth was being charged using crystals. And that's why we have so many crystals in our earth, because uh, it was part of that, that setting the intention. And with that, that that you that's where your mathematism and and that's where you understand math or the science is greater than what it says yet at the same time though there is the logistics of this is what we know it's skin it's (laughs) you know this is what we can prove with the scientific method and i'm not going to argue the scientific scientific method works great in the context that it works and when mm-hmm. other things work great out of the context am i going to ignore them i can't Mm-mm. i just can't no, so. no. and you had other lifetimes too where you were doing a lot of i see in the egyptian times when you were one of the mathematicians trying you know building some of the um the um pyramids hmm. okay yeah, and I don't remember any of this, but that's cool. No, I no, remember no. linear just... algebra was really cool. But... Yeah, <laughs> and, and there's many lifetimes that you live that way. So you've mm-hmm. always had these parts of you that that continue. And this is what I find, too, that a lot of us have these past lives. That There's a part of us that jumps from one life to another. Mm-hmm. And that mathematic scientific part of you is part of that. Just like for me, the dyslexic part of me has always been a part of my D- my DNA of my soul, I'm going to call it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's certain things and there's other things too. Like me being very intuitive has been part of my, mm-hmm. my soul story going mm-hmm. from one thing to another from day one. So with that, that we always have these, these things and, and mathematician-ishness. <laughs> I know that's not a word, but it's it fits. It is now <laughs> that it's uh, that that that's part of your signature. And so, if you if that helps you to kind of uh, embrace the more well-roundedness for you, but yeah, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm not sure how other people feel about it, but that's not my concern. It's working for me, so 
Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> so, Katie, I am so sad. This is our end of our hour. We actually went over by a little bit, and I try to keep it to an hour. So thank you, everyone, for watching, and thank you for commenting. And, and please, if you like this, um, uh, please share or um, do the like button or uh, subscribe Facebook or, or YouTube to the station so that you can hear some more because I would love to have Katie back again. So Katie, how do people reach you? Well, the easiest way is go to my webpage, which is serious2hilarious.com. Just what you see right there on the screen, get the spaces out, put a dot .com on the end. And uh, there's some fun videos on there, more to come. Check it out. And you do have classes that to help people oh, yeah. come. And you can tell that Katie's gone from serious. To, and you should hear her when she's funny because she's she is quite funny. Yeah, it's well, yeah. <laughs> but it's natural. It's not. It's not like you're you're not a comedian. No, you, you're I a life person. Up. You're you're a life person. So you've you you're funny in the way that you just tell your stories and you you interact and this one was a little bit more serious just because of of where we're at but mm -hmm. you've been able to put this kind of story and spin it into a way that it was like oh yeah, wow I mean, yes there's, there's still things i don't i don't believe in space aliens but it's still sat in their circle so you know it's like <laughs> oh great <laughs> Um, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but there was some kind of energy that you needed that night for some reason, and so you, oh, you yeah. did it. So. Well, I, I don't know how that thing got there if the space aliens didn't put it there. And so, yeah, it's a different part of my brain that just haven't ironed out the inconsistencies, and I don't think they are. <laughs> It just it's like depends on which side you're sitting in at the moment what's true <laughs> I, bet, I bet well everyone please enjoy and if you're in need if you're in want if you are in that moment where you know we are working through something like with katie and her voice i'm hoping that she come we do a couple more sessions because i can i i can we can i yeah so with that that as blessings come and as we work through life and walk through life right now we're being triggered and i'm gonna i'm gonna honor the moment we're in that we are going through some big doorways where we're having souls leave us and my love goes to you and i'm giving that heads up because we don't know how it's going to happen i know mm. that locally here in sejawoli we've had like three or four uh like a 20 year old who ended up running into a tree on the side of the road and you know and it, and it hit quite a, our community and then there's other things that have been happening that I, I, my love goes to everyone. And if you are in wish of hearing from a loved one, that's another place I can help you with. So my love goes to you and please come and watch again on Monday or on Wednesday at four o'clock on Natasha Venter and Jelly Clarifications on Facebook or on Natasha Venter on YouTube. So blessings to everyone and have a great blessing of a week. And remember, we're still in a new moon energy. So what new do you want to bring into your life? Because it's magical. Blessings to all. Thank you, Natasha. You're welcome.